It's a new day for Houston Texans football with D'Amico Ryans now the head coach and another infusion of young talent in the form of high draft picks now in the mix. But what does this roster look like in totality? We're breaking that down today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Lockdown NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And, of course, a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate you all being here very, very much. Joe, do you think the spam caller is going to call me today like they have all week long after I took the phone call last week before we or yesterday before we started and told them, please don't call me anymore? No, I think they're going to listen to you. I think I think that they heard you loud and clear yesterday, and they're going to leave what you. What a win today. that would be! Yeah, happy National Twenty Twenty Three Schedule Release Day to you. Happy, yes, happy that to you as well. Um, I'm I'm very much in the camp of thankful for all the people on Twitter that likes to like make spreadsheets and as things come out, they like eliminate possibilities and try to piece it right. together, knowing that we're getting it at eight o'clock. It's the most ridiculous thing, but I love it. I, it's I will just like a mock draft. Dude, I am I am fully in on on observing this. I'm not going to create my own spreadsheets, but I will absolutely observe yours and and I'm your thankful for it. Yeah. So send all of your schedule spreadsheet <laughs> reports to Joe on Twitter at the Joe Marino, and uh, we'll go from there. We're we're going to do the Texans, and perhaps if you've been following all week long, you would say, "Oh, very interesting." The guys chose to do the three teams that took a first-round quarterback as their first three teams. Joe, why would we possibly do that? Was it on purpose, Kyle? Hmm. Is there anything that we've done in the past that it might make sense that we wanted to have this information about the teams that the rookie quarterbacks are going to? Yeah. we uh, Our everydayers know this, but we we like to assess the environment, the situation that these – first-round quarterbacks are going into because we're big believers in what Jordan Palmer told us, and it's that teams bust players more than players bust teams. And so we want to find out just what type of situations these top quarterbacks are entering into. And so for tomorrow on the podcast, you get a chance to listen to us break down all of the key dynamics surrounding C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and the other one that was taken in the first round, Anthony Anthony Richardson. Richardson. (laughs) They're all taking the top four picks. Yeah. (laughs) So that's coming up tomorrow. Okay. So we are doing the Houston Texans. We have this roster done. I have the roster ready to share. We do have some consensus we have to find when we get to. Was there a lot? I didn't peek at yours at all. So I I normally have some idea of what we're getting into, but I I don't this time. It's a lot of peripheral players. Oh, God. I don't think there's there's any key players that we've identified as having significant differences. In. All right. Whereas like when we did the Colts, I think Zara Franklin was the biggest name that we had. Who's the big name yesterday with the Panthers? Um, CJ Henderson, I guess Henderson uh, and Luvu Xavier Woods, Frankie Luvu. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, this edition is probably Tavier Thomas is probably the, the Ooh. biggest player that we have a discrepancy Ooh. on. 
All right. All right. I'll be ready for that. But we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball, and obviously there's pretty dynamic shift in ideology on both sides of the ball. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's the new head coach. Uh, let's talk offense smattering of overlay from what was there last year, but a lot of new pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this team just made a $12 million a year commitment to Shaq Mason over the next three seasons on a contract extension, so that's not to be overlooked if, after they got him for a bag of peanuts. I think that was a job well done by the Texans. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and talk about the, the observations from the, the Texans and their personnel on the offensive side of football. I'd like to start with the offensive line where I think they've got three nice pillars to this unit and, and Laramie Tunsil, who's a really good left tackle that still likes to false start all the time. <laughs> the first two games I watched were uh, Philadelphia and Dallas. And I think he had four false starts and two in each game. And they like came at the worst possible times. Like, um, I don't know what that is. Like, how do you not get that tightened up by this point in your career? But uh, good player, but that's that's kind of the buzzkill with him. Shaq Mason, obviously, at right guard is going to be a nice boost to this interior where I think they needed it in a big way. Um, center's probably going to be different this year. You know, Scott Questenbury, the incumbent. They have Juice Scruggs, who they picked fairly high in the draft. Second round. Um, and Kenyon Green, a top 15 pick from last year. And, and I think they need those two guys to be better, right? Kenyon Green, and they need better production from the center. And I think Kenyon Green in year two, he'll be better positioned to, to play better football. But he had a rough go at it at times. I think – my encouraging takeaway from Kenyon Green is that I thought his power showed up, right? You could see times where he was able to um, use what made him effective at Texas A&M, um, but I think it's about staying square and developing his footwork and some technique. But you saw his power show up, and I think that's a good thing. But, you know, Titus Howard becoming an answer at right tackle is a nice development for this football team. You know, uh, started off at guard at times, played a little bit of tackle, but last season, the full run at right tackle, I thought he looked solid. And I think having that, maybe a couple of questions on the interior feels like a pretty decent situation for this offensive line as, you know, I don't know when CJ Stroud's going to take over as a starting quarterback, but we've seen high picks at quarterback step into worse offensive line situations in this. Yeah. I think that that is marrying what CJ Stroud does well with what you prioritized and went out and got. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, we both had Tunsil as a roster cornerstone caliber player we both had Shaq Mason as a quality starter. We both had Titus Howard as an adequate level starter. And, and Howard, as you said, kind of emerged this year. I agreed with you in the power for Kenyon Green. I, th- I think the run game stuff was better than pass protection for him. Uh, so identifying exchanges and twists and stunts and delayed pressures will be big in pass pro. And then just kind of livening up the feet a little bit and, yeah. and getting that base a little bit more active, I think would really help Kenyon Green. Uh, because I think the raw, the raw ability surpasses that of the guy who played right guard for the team last year in AJ Can. You let me know if you disagree with that. But like similar kinds of players, but I think the the ceiling's much higher with Kenyon Green than it was with AJ Can. I agree. I think AJ Can's a nice, okay, a floor player, right? Like, yeah, kind of been who he is for a while in the NFL. I think you can get by with him as a starter, but. Um, I, I think swapping out Mason for can is an upgrade and then counting on development from your left guard is what this offensive line really needs to see come together. I think the the biggest storyline that I had with the Texans offensively was the players that they brought in are all about raising the floor of the, of the unit. When you think about Dalton Schultz, when you think about 
Devin Singletary, when you think about Robert Woods, when you think about Shaq Mason, Shaq Mason's a little bit of a different exception because we both still grade Shaq Mason as a quality starter. But Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, Robert Woods, these are adequate level starters. But the players who were in their spots last year were not adequate level starters. And to to kind of take those, I don't say holes, but those areas of, of needed improvement and get players that you feel are going to be fairly reliable on what you're going to be able to count on them, provided that they're healthy on a weekly basis, because they have a proven track record of adequate contributions on a weekly basis as a starting player in the NFL, I think that's a really big win uh, for the Texans and what they're attempting to build offensively in year one under this coaching staff. I wanted to ask you a question here as it relates to the offense and Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, Shanahan disciple, if there ever was one. I know you're well-versed on the Shanahan offense. When you look Mm -hmm. at these pieces and you think about the style of offense we think they're going to run, what do you like? What do you not like in terms of having what they need to really run that, that, that type of scheme? I think Robert Woods is a really big addition for being a route runner and a guy who can line up inside or outside. And he obviously played with McVay. So there's familiarity with some of the concepts there. I think that'll be very helpful. This feels like a little bit more of a downhill inside zone and gap offensive line than mm-hmm. your traditional wide. Like I, I don't think of Kenyon green and, I guess Shaq Mason could, but Shaq Mason has had so much of his success in like the, the New England offense, which has been historically very gap-principled and downhill running as well. So I think they're going to come at you. Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, they don't have speed to the edge in the backfield. Right. I think they're going to be a little bit more of the Rams iteration of this coaching tree than the 49ers iteration of this coaching tree, which is a little bit more speed to the perimeter mm-hmm. and has historically been more horizontal stretch. So I, I think that's, as I look at the pieces, I think about Slowick and, and where he's been and all the different iterations of this offense. That's kind of where I, I get, and I'm excited for, you know, Nico Collins too. Like what's Nico Collins as the big body guy going to do. Interestingly enough, they, they went out and they got Noah Brown, as well to add to this group as to the, the big bodied run blocking physical receiver types. And you saw what McVay did with Ben Skoranek last year. And I'm not expecting Nico Collins or Noah Brown to be Ben Skoranek, but there's a very much a role and an appetite in that offense for that big bodied mm-hmm. physical wide receiver. And I think like they have a couple of those niche roles that you need to do this successfully to run out of 11 personnel and have success doing it. I think they have. Yeah. It's almost like ideally, okay, that's a big word for what I'm about to say. Ideally. Ideally, Nico Collins is what they wanted Allen Robinson to be in LA. Right. And and Noah Brown is what Ben Skoranek, probably a better version of Ben Skoranek. I think the player that really unlocks this offense, and I, I hope it all comes together, is John Mechie. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the guy that really can open things up here. Um in totality uh, with some of those bigger bodies that they have at the position to go with Robert Woods in the slot. And I, you know, Tank Dell, we'll see how that all comes together. But um, I was impressed with Collins in his, you know, as a true X type player on the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage, really good hands, the contested situations, all that's, 
that's really good. Um, but John Mechie, I think being what I think he can be for this offense is, I mean, I think there's a lot riding on that. And I hope it all comes together for him. Yeah, I hope we get. I hope we get to see him. I believe. Believe we saw some social images of him out on the practice field. Yeah, he's so on track, and it's uh, great. Super good news there. A shout out to him and also um, Foster Moreau signing yeah. with the the Saint. What an awesome story that is to to keep tabs on with, with him getting diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and yet signing a contract and sounding like he's going to play this year. Yeah, the awesome. He he's in line for a nice role with them if it all comes yeah. together. So, yeah. rooting for those guys for sure. All right, in just a moment here, we're going to shift gears to the defensive side of the football. But first, if you are looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want a bunch of sugar, you want a bunch of calories, well, then you got to try the best tasting protein bar on the planet, and that of course is a Built Bar. And uh, these things are awesome. They're healthy and they're delicious. They're delicious because they're covered in one hundred percent real chocolate, and they come in amazing flavors like peanut butter, uh, brownie batter. They got coconut almond, so many great flavors, double chocolate. You got to try them out and they're healthy for you. It's like you're eating a candy bar, but it's good for you. The, like I said, the low sugar, low calories, uh, 17 grams of protein typically in each bar. So uh, great addition to your diet. Great snack. I have a couple a day, not going to lie. Uh, if you want to check them out, we encourage you to do that and head on over to built.com. You can use our promo code lockdown 15. That'll get you 15% off your next order or you can head on over to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, pick up a box off the shelf, try them, folks. You'll thank us later. Defensively, we um, have a bunch of new arrivals as well. Dude, some so young many. players. <laughs> um, uh, handful of holdovers, but the feels like almost the entire nucleus of this team is players from last year's draft class and players from this year's draft class. Yeah. Um my my initial thought here on this defense is is this front. Um Malik Collins is a nice pass rushing defensive tackle. There's you there's a big trade off because he's he's never been able to stop the run, right? There's he's gonna get worked off the ball, but my goodness, this guy's got a nice rush profile to him. And now you add Sheldon Rankins, who's been historically a very good interior rush player, and I think that duo with a guy like Hassan Ridgeway as a backup, you've got, you got some nice penetration-style players on that interior to go with Will Anderson now on the edge and Jerry Hughes, who I thought he played really well. I mean, I started my, my studies with the uh, the Eagles tape, and he dusted my, my lotta twice, and he, he had another strip sack, but he just barely missed the ball. He could have had three sacks in that game. Um, I, I really liked what I saw from Okoronkwu, but now he's a Brown, but – you know, even Jonathan Grenard has been a player that when he's been in the lineup as a young player has has shown some promise. So I think there's a lot of rush upside here with these players uh, with their front. I think they've got three deep at each spot on the interior and the edge of, of meaningful players that, that can get after people. And so that, um, that really stands out to me as I start this conversation. I, I think that you get a little bit worried about them being able to really anchor and, and defend the run. Like you're probably going to want to come at Houston, and dare them to stop the run. Uh, but I think these guys have a lot of penetration upside. Well, it's a good thing. They play in probably the most run heavy defense. In... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Offensive division, right? You got yep. your, Tennessee, Indy, Indianapolis. They go, and... they're going to challenge you. They're going to run right at you. Even Jacksonville with ETN, man. Like they had some good moments last year running the ball. I think that what's make that's what makes the addition of Denzel Perryman so critical. Because Denzel Perryman has always kind of been a 
400 to 600 snap downhill thumper. I think 2021 he played like 900 snaps and he kind of like regressed a little bit. He's always been at his best when like he's in a very finite early down and run defense type of role. And I think he's an adequate starter in that capacity. And you bring him in and you can compliment him with Corey Littleton, uh, who you brought in as well as, as a player who's more of a depth player at this at this stage in, in his career, but um, has had the kind of athletic range and mobility to play on passing down. So I think those two will platoon at linebacker, but having Perryman to play, you have to think this is going to be an aggressive front like San Francisco, right? Uh, having a being the Dre Greenlaw type of player, not saying he's Dre Greenlaw, but the striker linebacker, having that is so important because of this defensive line. Like you mentioned, like they're going to have to be a penetration front based on the talent that they have. I don't think they're going to be a gap control type of defense right now. No. And I don't think they've got anybody that can play in the A gap and control the center. <laughs> right? right? Like that, who's, that play, who's aligning in a, in a, a one tech and going to be able to play both A's. Nobody. Nobody. Not They'll probably a, not tell you Roy Lopez right is their best chance, but I that's not for me. And th- and that's okay, right? Like there's more than one way to play successful NFL defense, but it's just right. you're, you're looking at the pieces and you acknowledge what the ideology based off what you would expect from what San Francisco has looked like, and you say, okay, there's some things that, that they're going to be able to do right away, and there's some things that they're not. Like bringing in Jimmy Ward to pair with Jalen Petrie, you're going to have a lot of interchangeability on the back end of your defense. And that's really exciting, I think, for for Jalen Petrie and hopefully have him in a position to not be so often of a run support player because I know he had a ton of tackles last year, probably more tackles than you want your safety to have. But, boy, oh, boy, was he quick to see things, but was he late to gear down and try and square up and tackle? Yeah, yeah. And the tackling was really – I know it got better statistically as the year went on, but even what was the first game that I watched – he must have missed he must have missed four tackles in the first half of that game. So having him be able to move around a little bit more, be a little bit more last line of defense, let Jimmy Ward kind of take some of that and have those guys be interchangeable, I think will help too. I'm pretty excited about the safety room for as uninspired as I am about run defense on the interior defensive line. I think the versatility of the safeties is, is one of my biggest takeaways here. And you mentioned Jalen Petrie, a second-year player. They, they took fairly high in the second round in 2022. Traded to up go with him, a, I believe, yeah, too. With a veteran like Jimmy Ward, who's been unbelievably consistent for the 49ers and obviously knows Tomiko Ryans quite well. But, I mean, even MJ Stewart, who two years ago in Cleveland, last year in Houston, has started to make a transition more to playing safety. And there's some slot. Uh, safety, you know, hybrid uh, qualities there that are likable. Even Eric Murray, who's been a guy that's played all over the secondary throughout his career and really ramped up his special teams contributions of late. I mean, plus Brandon Hill, who's one of my favorite, like, depth safeties in this class that that they just drafted. And I think he can be a meaningful player. So you've got this mix of versatility in terms of interchangeability where guys can line up, but also some young talent, some proven veteran talent, guys at all different stages of their career. And I really like uh, how that group comes together for them at safety. So that I think there's one more thing that we should acknowledge uh, as we get ready to come to consensus. And I'll, I'll go ahead and pull up the um, depth chart here as soon as we, we finish this talking point, Joe. But we have a couple of players that are important pieces for the Texans defensively who are incomplete evaluations. 
And I thought this would be a good time to bring it up because it's a nice reminder that not all uh, incomplete evaluations are, are made the same. Correct. Because you have a name like Derek Stingley. You have a name like Jalen Petrie. And then you have Christian Harris as three projected starters on defense who are all listed as incomplete evaluations. But I think there's very different narratives around those three players based off of what they showed and did not show as rookies. So for scoring purposes, when we end up ranking all of these, like players that are incomplete, you you don't put them in a bucket, they're ambiguous, they're going to be marked as zero. And they're going to have an ability to move the needle up or down based on how they declare themselves as the season plays on. Stingley, obviously a top draft selection, has all the physical talent in the world. Petrie flashed a ton, but was still just a little inconsistent. You're looking for a little bit more growth before you decide, hey, this this can be a cornerstone type of player, or hey, this is maybe an adequate starter that you're just going to have to live with the warts with in perpetuity. And then there's Christian Harris, who we're hoping to see step into a role where he's, and if look, if anybody's going to get him right, it's probably going to be D'Amico Ryan's. But this was a player for me that when you watched him, you remembered what he was at Alabama. It just feels like it happens fast for him still. But he's Mm -hmm. so athletically gifted that there's times where he can get away with it. I'm just, that's an X-factor player on the defense for me. Is Christian Harris, because obviously the second level, you know you have a higher floor type of player in Christian Kirk so you can fall back on if you need to. Right. Especially now with the safety versatility. Can Christian Harris take the next step? If the answer is yes, that's going to be a nice bonus for this defense. And if the answer is no, then you're really going to start to get concerned because this will be two years of the same thing that he showed in college. If I had to exhaust one final talking point here on this defense, I want to shout out two veterans, Steven Nelson and Desmond King, who just quietly chopping away at great careers. I mean, these guys are getting a little bit older, but year over year they continue to produce, especially Steven Nelson, a guy who's kind of bounced around a little bit. But every year he finds a way to be a a solid starting corner in the NFL. Um, And I'll say this about Derek Stingley. It's been a while since we've seen him play great football, man. Like, let's just be honest about it. It's been a while. I know he's got all this stuff. I loved him coming out, but I really want to see him to start being the impact player that he was like four years ago at LSU because it's mm-hmm. it, it it is it's just a lot of time in between that. And and I don't think stabilized for him and obviously the situation. But I mean, number three pick or something last year, he needs to be an answer for them. So now it's time to come to consensus. So I'm gonna pull the death chart up. Apologize that the presentation's a little janky here. You're free to try to um, copy-paste the URL before I take it out, but just know that it's a private sheet, so you're not going to be able to get into it anyway. Um, Here's what we have consensus so far. Joe, we have one roster cornerstone for the second consecutive team. I think that's a testament to the teams that are picking early. Right, Carolina Panthers, obviously they traded to get in that spot, but they still organically had a top 10 pick. The Texans with Laramie Tunsil, who they acquired by 
trading the moon for from the Dolphins in 2019. But this this unit feels like the floor is significantly higher. I think that's my number one observation from what the Texans were last year to seeing the players they brought in is this team should be a lot more consistent and competitive week to week because the floor is higher. A lot of adequate level starters across this depth chart. I'd a million percent agree with that and certainly am excited for a lot of their young players from this class and last year's class to start filling in the gaps here. And you mentioned we only have one franchise cornerstone here. I'm going to be a little stingy with handing that out to people. You know what I mean? I'm, yep. I'm not just handing out franchise cornerstones. So other teams may have more. You know, there could be some that have four or five, something like that. But I'm not just – I mean, for some, they have to be legit. So from a color code perspective, the key is here for anybody who is on the YouTube channel, there's a lot of yellow, which is adequate level starter. There's a lot of green, which is rookie. And there's a lot of pink which is incomplete evaluations, and most of those players are second-year players who were part of the 2022 class. So you can see just the amount of volume of this Texans projected roster of meaningful contributors that is first- or second-year players, which you would expect when you trade Deshaun Watson and load up on draft picks and are in the middle of a head coaching change. The players that we have to come to consensus on, Joe... Uh, one of which is, let's let's do the offensive players first, or unless you want to tackle John Weeks, <laughs> the long snapper. I put him as an as a quality starter. He's been he, he's been there forever since 2013. Yes, I, I, dude, I'm not gonna fight you on that. Let's I, go, I, Kyle wins the first salvo here. The long snapper Thursday. debate. John Weeks, quality starter, which is low key nice for the Texans because that's their third quality starter on the depth chart. It's ton, and I don't. I don't say that to bash them. This is obviously a team in the middle of a transition, and they're rebuilding. And it's supposed to look like this. It's it's a good thing that it looks like this, because the alternative would be lying to yourself and having a bunch of more expensive replacement level players. So you have Tunsil as a cornerstone. You have Jimmy Ward, Shaq Mason, and John Weeks as your quality starters. Hey, you got two out of those three this off season. That's pretty good. Our next, our, our only. Two players on the offensive side of the ball are depth players. It's Amari Rodgers and Charlie Heck. Okay. I have Amari Rodgers as an incomplete evaluation. Right, and I put him as a replacement level player for the struggles that he has had to this point. Now, if we wanted to keep it congruent with the discussion yesterday with C.J. Henderson, although I think C.J. Henderson from a talent perspective probably is in a different tier I could get behind it if that was the thought process that you had on just there's been so little continuity and opportunity for him. Yeah, that's that's where our, that's why I gave him the incomplete assessment. He's entering year three. He's been on two teams, quickly fell out of favor in Green Bay. I, and I don't I just don't know if I've seen enough yet. I mean, it's un, I would say it's unlikely that he turns into anything more than a replacement level player. But I was, I guess, being kind and giving him the benefit of the doubt. Wow. Joe feeling very charitable here. Uh, we have we now have him as an incomplete evaluation. All right. Uh, Charlie Heck, swing tackle, Okay, was the other one. I had him as quality depth. Oh, I thought about quality depth with him. What did I, I have him as what? Replacement level. 
No, I was already hinging on that. You put him on quality depth. Okay. He's played. Great. He's played a lot for them. He's been. He's been a very effective pass blocker. He's filled in for Titus Howard a little bit at right tackle. Um, yeah, he's play, he think, played like eight hundred something snaps in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. I and was I, like, he kept his head above water. So that was it. Was it for me? I'm like, yeah. Like if, if that's a swing tackle for you, I think you're doing okay. Yeah, I I was teetering on that, and so I'll meet you there. Uh, the rest of this interior, uh, what we don't need is any injuries on this offensive line this year. No, none. Because you have Greg Little, Jimmy Morrissey, Scott Questenberry, and Michael Dieter. Those are all replacement-level players or worse in our assessment of the players. Right. And and you don't have a single athletic – or you, you don't have a single plus mobile quarterback in your backfield. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. Is Davis Mills the most athletic of the quarterbacks that they have? Yeah, a couple of runs, man. You, you kind of made you, you know, right. respect Kind of caught me bit. off guard a little bit. Right. CJ Stroud's probably comparable, right? He's, I mean, comparable, Stroud's- but he 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 hasn't had to make the plays with his legs, and he kind of surprises in the Georgia game right. with what he was able to do. But even then, it wasn't like he wasn't tearing him up with his legs. Right. He was just extending to throw, and and right. that's a good thing. But not the kind of unit you would want to have pass protection issues for, in my mind. Right. Uh, our four players defensively: Tavier Thomas, Chase Winovich, Jake Hansen, and Jermaine Carter. All right. Can we start with Tavier Thomas? Because I think he's quality depth. I think he's an adequate level star. Oh, you're even higher. Yes. Okay, so I thought you were going to be lower. I was like, Kyle, this is an easy quality depth. I didn't realize that you were higher. Yeah, I think if Desmond King wasn't there, I think you'd be just fine with Thomas playing the same role. So you want to say adequate starter? I feel like they have two adequate level starter nickel defensive backs, yes. And Thomas might be, like, one of the best special teamers in the league, too. Correct. Like, legit quality four-phase guy. He's a he's a really nice roster player. Wow. Okay. I didn't expect to have to go higher. I thought I was going to have to talk you up. But you already know the gospel here. Correct. Um, so, what, what, would your, what would your hesitation be for putting him in adequate level start? That he just hasn't been? He just hasn't really ever been that. I know he's filled in a lot. I don't know. If he was your starting corner, slot, slot corner, I think you'd feel fine with it. Okay, Correct. I'll go. I'll, I'll meet you there. Great. Done. Lock it in. Tavier Thomas, officially an adequate level starter. Uh, let's, do you just want to get the two corner, the two third-string linebackers out of the way? Sure. What's, what's the gripes <laughs> here? I think, I think you had Chase Hansen or Jake Hansen as an incomplete eval. Yeah. I had him as a practice squad caliber player. Okay, I mean, that's probably fine. I was giving him – he's a 2022 UDFA that played, what, 200 snaps last year? Right. I mean, Ideally, yeah, he's on – now, now their linebacker core has not been good, so he, he may make your 53, but I don't think he should make your 53. So he's a practice I'll, squad player. You're winning them all today. You can have that one too. How about Jermaine Carter? I had him as a quality depth player. What I put him as? Replacement I believe level? you had him as a replacement level player. I think I just sat there and waited a hundred years for him to be a thing for the Panthers, and then it never happened. He had like a nice run as like kind of a rotational guy and a special teams right. player, and and then he went to Cleveland last year and like couldn't get teeth, right? Right, and even twenty twenty one was supposed to be his year in Carolina, where he got a bunch of run, and he just they moved on very quickly. Okay, so if if, if that being the case, and and I didn't go back to the Carolina year, that was your your heaviest motivation to put Carter in the. Replacement level bucket? Yeah. Okay. 
you've been flexible today, so I'll be flexible back, and we'll put Carter in, in the orange bucket with the replacement-level players. I did lie. We did have Kadar Holman, uh, who you had as a non-roster caliber. <laughs> what, why, should, why should he be higher? Than a practice squad developmental player? He's, he's 28 years old. Okay. He hasn't played a snap since 2020 on defense. He's at 112 career snaps for his life. He's a draft Joe pick is it ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen for him. Our last name is Chase Winovich. Dude, what happened here? He had two decent seasons to start his career with the Patriots, did Correct. nothing with the Browns, and now we're at the Texans. And that's why I couldn't let him go. I gave him quality depth. I believe you had him as replacement level. I I, I struggled with him so hard. I'll put him as quality depth. I, I'm not going to fight like, you. If, because- if, he's your, if he's your fourth or fifth edge guy, which is what he is in Cleveland, or what it, which is what he is here in Houston, you're okay with that, right? No question. As as I, long as you ignore last year in Cleveland, and just maybe Cleveland was just a dumpster fire defensively last year in every capacity. His first two years in New England, he was pretty darn productive. Right, I thought it was like, oh, crap, the Patriots got him one here. And then it's like, no, here, go to Cleveland. They traded for like Mac Wilson. Was that the deal there? Yes, it's exactly what it was. <laughs> just the last two years have been pretty discouraging. So... That's your Texans roster. If you're on YouTube, and you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can see the full index and key of categories and what players we've put in which buckets and so on and so forth. And of course, after we're done this series of all 32 teams, we're going to have a lot of robust content that is centered around how we're categorizing these players and how we're categorizing these teams. Joe, the final question is this. Are the Houston Texans a better roster today than they were 12 months ago? Easiest yes so far. It's not even close. And I think that's that's the exciting thing for Texans fans who have had a rough go the last two seasons. You've got a direction now. And I think the floor of your team, you're going to be competitive in just about every game that you play because of the transition that's happened. And then it's all about taking that and having positive culture and stacking dubs. And not necessarily stacking dubs in the win column, but buying into this process of building the team the way that your new staff and D'Amico Ryans wants to build it. And also, you don't have your own first-round pick next year, right? You have Denver's first-round pick. Your first-round pick's going to the Arizona Cardinals. So go win all the damn football games you possibly can. Right. There's there's nothing inhibiting you from that. You, you are as much of a Texans fan as you are a Broncos hater this year. Is it a Broncos or the, the Browns? Browns. I meant to say the Browns. I meant okay. to say the Browns. The Browns. You are a Browns quarterback, hater. multi-first-round. Right. It's going to take a second for that to still normalize for me. (laughs) That's going to do it for our film study of the Houston Texans. This team's moving in the right direction. Uh, We're excited about a number of the changes. There's still some holes. That's to be expected when you're starting from scratch, which the Texans are. But uh, big developmental year for Houston uh, in the midst of what what could be a competitive AFC South. Maybe it'll surprise some people along the way. And, of course, we'll we'll find out their schedule and the rest of the NFL schedule uh, tonight on Thursday night. So make sure you keep it locked in here on the Locked On Network. We are Locked On NFL Scouting. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, we appreciate you. Shout out to the everydayers who are plugged in on a daily basis. Come back, see us again tomorrow. We're diving into the 2022 or 2023 quarterback class to see who has the best supporting cast for their young QB.